We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lourdesdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Good morning, everyone. So I love, so doesn't the gym look beautiful? They did a great job, the, the staff. One side comment. I was just going to say, with all you guys over here, you are exactly like me. I would totally sit over there. And I was just thinking, this is, they always say Americans, like if you go to Europe, like, and there's 10 tables, everyone will sit at one table. But Americans are like, get away from me. Like, and that's exactly how I am. I'm like, I, I'd be like, is there a seat like on the other side of the curtain? Okay, that has nothing to do with anything, but just kind of struck me. I want to talk about bargaining this morning. I am horrible at bargaining. I just can't do it. Uh, I think it kind of runs in the family. My brother, he, when he went to Europe as a college student the first time, <clears throat> he went and he tried to bargain with somebody in Istanbul for Turkish rugs. And he was like, yeah, I don't really need them. Like, I don't really need a rug. And so this, and he was like, this is way too expensive. I don't need one. Came back with two, you know, and carried them on his backpack for like a month across Europe. And then that's just kind of how we are. When I was a kid, one of my memories that's been coming up a lot lately, my mom always packed a healthy lunch for me every day. Hated it. Right? I was like, it's super healthy. And you go to school and you're in the lunchroom. And I remember when I was a kid, they had, I don't know if they still have these. Did they still have fruit by the foots? Do you remember that? This means yes. This means no. Okay, just stare at me. But we had, all these kids had fruit by the foot and it was the best thing ever, right? Like fruit by the foot is like, I can make it through my next day here at school and all the tortures they put me through because I got my fruit by the foot. Now, I had something almost as good as fruit by the foot. I had a bag of carrots. <laughs> and every day at lunch for years, I would try to barter with the kids at my table. I'd be like, I know you want some carrots, right? And it never worked. Amazing. I'm always envious of people who can do that. They can come out with great deals, you know. I'm, I'm just not that. If I ever go to get a car, I take my dad with me, which he's awesome at, like, knowing cars. I just don't do that well. And today what I want to talk about is that that mentality, right, it's just so us. We have a mentality that we want to get the most we can get for the least price, the lowest price. And that's normal, that's human, it kind of makes sense. But that can easily translate, and it does translate, into our faith. And I want to talk today about how you cannot bargain with God. You cannot bargain with God. I try to. I still do this, and I still lose. And like, you know, God's like, Okay, Brian, like, I love you. I'm like, okay, how about, like, I'll try to be a good Catholic. You bless me hugely, and I get a really awesome wife and, you know, a bunch of kids. He's like, no, and you can be a priest. I'm like, okay, <laughs> deal. 
we want to bargain with God. And our readings today, I want to tie that into what our readings are trying to say to us. It's easy for us to do that. And it's easy for us to think, God, if I do this, you give me what I want. And the simple problem with that, and God does do that, by the way. He does promise us things. But it has to move beyond that, right? Your relationship with God can easily turn into a transactional relationship. And that is not Christianity. Right? That is not Christianity. When you really become a Christian, when, when God really comes alive inside of you and makes you come alive, right, you stop bargaining. I tell my married couples this, that, and the, the engaged couples, that when, they, when you really fall in love, right, you stop saying things like, if, okay, well, I'll cook dinner if you take the kids. I mean, you still say that. I know you do. But when you fall in love with someone and you're dating, you kind of stop saying if. You start saying words that are reflected in the marriage rite, in your vows. You stop saying if or maybe or conditionally. You say, I will love you unconditionally, right, in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. That's, that's what all of us want. That's what I want my faith to be and my life to be. And that's what God wants from you. And so I want to zero in on our second reading today. Our second reading is all about the Old Testament sacrifices and then Jesus coming into the world at the moment of his birth. And what could easily happen, and it can easily happen to us, is we can say, okay, God, I checked all the boxes. Now you have to give me happiness, an easy ride. And people all the time say to me, Father Brian, why do Christians suffer? And it's a sign, and I do it too. This isn't to be harsh. I do it too. But if you're asking why do good people suffer, it's a sign you're still looking at your faith in a transactional way. God doesn't bargain, right? He didn't make you give him something, and then he'll say, if you give me yourself, if you live a great life, if you become a moral person, then I'll love you. He doesn't do that. He loved you fully on the cross and gave everything he had, not because you did something right or gave him something, but because his relationship with you is not transactional. It's covenantal. It's familial. It's a, it's a relationship of pure love. And love doesn't count the cost. So in our reading today, what, what, what the book of Hebrews is talking about is that it, it says a shocking thing for a Jewish person. And what, what the book of Hebrews does is it takes one of the Psalms. It takes Psalm 40, And it says Psalm 40 was a fitting line for Jesus. It fits him. It was a prophecy about him. 
And the, the author of the Hebrews says, Jesus said this, this sums up his life. When he came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. And he puts it, he says, Jesus is saying this to God the Father. Now for a Jewish person, that's shocking because God has commanded sacrifices and offerings. Right? God's commanded that. But we all know it, right? We all know that you can go through the motions of religion. When I was praying this morning, there's a, there's a great line in 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3, St. Paul says this, and I don't know if you know this, Paul, people never remember the harsher verses from Jesus or Paul. They always remember like 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it is not jealous or rude, it does not rejoice in the wrong, but rejoices in the right. Like, oh, I love that, I'm going to crochet that above our bed, right? And then today you're going to go home and crochet this, right? Um, it says, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, inhuman, implacable, slanderers, profligates, fierce haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's my new favorite verse, right? No, but here's the key. I love this. The last line in chapter 3, verse 5 St. Paul says that men will hold the form of religion, but they will deny the power of it. Men will hold the form of religion, but deny the power of it. Avoid such people. Let me say that one more time. In those days, men will hold the form of religion, but denying the power of it. Avoid such people. The laws of God are always good brothers and sisters, but what God wants is your heart. And he wants you to love him from the inside out. And so Pope Benedict, when he talks about this passage in Hebrews, what he says is he says, sacrifices in the Old Testament, when you offered up a goat or a bull or whatever, a green offering or a drink offering, what it was always meant to be a symbol of was you. It was always meant to be a symbol of you, that you say, Lord, here's my offering, but really what I want to offer is not this bull. What I want to offer is me. So Hebrews quoting Psalm 40, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Why? Because Jesus' sacrifice is not something external, it's him. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure, O God. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will.
That's faith. That, if you're someone who says, I have come, oh God, to do your will, that's someone who lives the power of religion. Religion isn't, you know, a sticker that goes on your fridge or your, or your car. It's not merely external. Externals aren't bad, by the way. But that's someone who their faith is who they are and not just something they show the world. So powerful, so beautiful. Brothers and sisters, you can't bargain with God. Right? Because what God asks of you, and, and isn't it wonderful? He doesn't say to you, he does not have a transactional relationship with you. Right? He is going to love you no matter what, always unconditionally. Right? If you're the prodigal son and you run away from home, right, and you live this life that you know is not the life you're supposed to live, guess what? He's going to be that father who's looking for you and waiting for the day you return. And he's not going to say you broke the contract. So my grace and my love is no longer for you. He doesn't do that. Right? His love for you is eternal, it is infinite, it is always. And I want to tie this to our gospel today. In Luke chapter 1, so beautifully, right? This is where Mary embodies all of this. And what Luke wants us to see, you know, contrasts are so great. I love these vestments. Aren't they beautiful? That was so vain, but that's true, right? What's so great about these vestments is the contrast, Right, the gold against the purple is a beautiful contrast. If you want to highlight something, it's great to have a contrast. Right, the, the staff and the volunteers who, who decorated our gym and getting it ready for Christmas, right, they did such a great job, and black is easy to have a contrast with. It works really well. Luke chapter 1, the, St. Luke wants us to see a contrast. Right, in Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel appears to two people. In Luke chapter 1. The first one, well, it's actually the second. The second one is Mary. And the first one is Zechariah. And Luke wants us to see a huge difference here. Now, if you were going to pick one of these people, if you said, okay, Gabriel's going to appear to these two people, and who do you think is going to listen better? All of your money would be on Zechariah. St. Luke says this, he says, Zechariah was of the division, he was a priest of the division of Abijah, your favorite division and mine, and he had a wife of the daughters of Aaron. Aaron is Moses' brother, he's the high priest of Israel. So Elizabeth is descended from high priests. If anybody's going to get Gabriel's message, it should be Zechariah. Anybody. And then the second is this 14-year-old girl who's a nobody. And in our reading today, Mary goes and she visits Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, at the end of our gospel, she says, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her 
from the Lord, right? Blessed are you, Mary, you believed in this. And that, what we're meant to see there is this huge contrast. Because if you know the story, Zechariah is in the temple and Gabriel appears to him. And he tells him he's going to be a father. He's going to have a son, John the Baptist. And Zechariah says, how shall I know this? Zechariah bargains with God. He says, are you really going to bless me? Are you really going to give me a son? I need to know that you're going to give me a son. How shall I know this? And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stand in the presence of God. Can you imagine? That would be the scariest line ever. I would be like, I am so sorry. I thought you were that other angel in like the third circle. If I would have known you're in the presence, I am so sorry. I am Gabriel who stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day these things come to pass. Zechariah is silent until John the Baptist is born. Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. And guess who's there? Zechariah. And guess who can't speak? And Elizabeth says, Blessed are you, Mary, because you believed. You surrendered. Right? Mary says something very similar to Jesus in Hebrews. She says, right before our gospel today, the first line before our gospel, it says, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. This is what she says to Gabriel. I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Mary's yes to God was in a conditional yes. Mary doesn't say, how am I going to know? What's it going to look like? Right? I need details, and I need to know the, the, the fine print of the contract. You can't bargain with God. If you love him, if you realize that he gives you everything, you can surrender yourself. And you can say, okay, God, this is hard for me to do. But the answer is yes. Mary, when Gabriel appeared to her, her yes, and this is one of my favorite things to pray with, and I want to leave you with this today. How far does your yes to God go? All of us are human and we're all weak. And our yeses only go so far. And I want to, I want to say yes to God, but I know I have my breaking point. All of us do. And I know that my, my yes, you know, if, if things went really bad and I was, if I had an interior darkness like Mother Teresa had and if the church begins to be more and more persecuted, which I think it will, and I get sick and I have disease and on and on and on, at, cer at a certain point I might say, God, I just can't do this. Mary's yes wasn't that way. Right? Mary's yes went all the way to the cross. 
It had no conditions. It had no fine print. Her yes was total and complete. It was a blank check. It said, God, here am I. I come to do your will. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to your word. Zechariah is mute. He doesn't, he doesn't believe he has to bargain. And so he's mute. Right after our gospel today, and this is my favorite thing, right when Gabriel silences Zechariah, Mary breaks out into a song of praise. If you have real faith, right, your faith will go from being just observing rules to a song. Zechariah cannot speak, but Mary can sing because she is surrendered. She's given over. She says, God, here's everything. Here's my heart. Here's my soul. Here's my future. Here's my fears. Here's my hopes. Here am I. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to your word. Is your faith like that? Christmas is basically tomorrow night. Brothers and sisters, that's what Christmas is about. Right? It's not just a a remembrance of a birthday. It's the time where God broke into the world. Right? And he came to show us that that love of God is not transactional. It's covenantal. Mary knew that. And there was space in her life and her heart for God. Jesus, give us that today. Lord, now I want my faith. <laughs> Lord, I, you've got a lot of rules for me. And they're all good, every single one of them. But Jesus, I want to do them not because I have to, but because I love you from the inside out. <laughs> And I want my yes to go further. I want it to not have conditions and limits. I don't want to say yes only in the good times, Jesus. I want to say yes always, just like you did. Lord, give me faith today. May I be like Mary. May we all be like Mary. May there be room in our hearts. May we have real faith. Or may we say with you, behold, Here am I, O God, I come to do your will.